0: Church. To find out more about who we are, go to neighborhoodchurchmn.org. Enjoy the message. our series, uh, and we were supposed to come up with a creative title. Dietrich, you should get on this, all right? Let's like, um, send it back to rewrite, um, but all we did is call it Lent. That's what we call the series Lent. It's Lent. We're in Lent, and uh, Lent is um, traditionally a day of 40 days. It's actually 46 days, um, but it's, there's only 40 days because you don't count Sundays because we focus on the resurrection, and there's joy, and there's happiness. And all the other forty days are like we can't have any happiness during Lent, right? We got to be sad. We have to be, which I don't always understand. It's like, like we know how this ends. We don't have to pretend like we didn't know that Jesus died, right? Or like what? He, 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 what happens, right? Like, like it, look. For me, growing up, I was raised Catholic, um, and so we participated in Lent. And what I knew about Lent was I didn't get candy. That's all I knew about Lent. It's just like. I don't know why I did something wrong. God hates candy apparently during Lent, except on Sundays. And Sundays I got like an exorbitant more amount of candy and sugar, so it kind of worked out. It was denied for six days, and then I was rolling deep for one day, and it was um, it was good. And the reason that we do forty days is that Jesus went to the wilderness for forty days. There's this um, symbolism of Jesus um. Being without food and water, water, food and water, and having these discoveries, having these, this transformation, getting clear about who and what this Christ is going to be and what this Christ is going to do. Um, and uh, it was Ash Wednesday. I don't know if you participate in Ash Wednesday. And on Ash Wednesday, to kick off Lent, uh, they say, "From dirt you came, and from dirt you're going to return." Right? There's a sense of dirt, which I. Love. I love this idea because it reminds me that I'm just really dirt. And what that means for me is that the dirt that made those bricks, the dirt that helped grow these trees, the dirt that is on our shoes, the dirt that I drive over every single day um, is the same as me. I'm not unique to the human experience, even though I like to think that I'm the only one who feels these things. I'm the only one that struggles with these things that I'm a continuation of something that's been happening for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. Like in Jay Cook um, State Park, I'll go there. Um, I call it my secret trail, even though there's a sign that posts that there's a trail there, but I'm convinced that I'm the only one who knows about it. And uh, <laughs> again, I like, when I see people and I'm with with Nick, I'm like, who, why are they out here? This is what's going on. This is a secret trail. Um, and... I do not. My wife is saying when I see people on the secret trail, those watching online, that I yell at people and I shame them, get off my trail, like I'm some old man, get off my lawn. I should just embrace that. I do have that mentality. Um, Why are we talking? Oh, that when I'm on my secret trail that you're not allowed to go to, um, uh, I think about that water that's been moving for thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years and how there was people that they brought life. I imagine it brought... um, someone who was dealing with some anxiety, right? That there's a place that brought peace and calmness to them. That I am not outside of the collective human experience. But when we think about death, right? Lent is about death. It's about loss. It's about grieving. And I feel like I'm supposed to... We were just talking about our Good Friday service um, and how I, I feel this um, need that I have to make it really somber and really sad. And it's like, I, for me, the thing of death of things of grief, things of loss, have brought me incredible amounts of joy, which in my my 20s and 30s, I didn't get. I just thought we have to be happy all the time. We have to just keep ascending. And it's when you lose, it's when you can get low, it's when you can figure out what things your ego needs to die to that you actually find new life. But we don't like that, right? We're not big fans of talking about death. We're not big fans of talking about grieving and losing and getting low we actually avoid it right like we celebrate youngness just the other day someone's like oh man if i could be 21 all over again and i'm like no no yeah i'm, with you. I'm like no i don't want don't no thank you all right i was in a weird bible college right it was <laughs> i don't want to don't don't make me go back um but there's this idea of um of it was good then right we looked good then, we were healthier then, we had more fun then, instead of like right now, like in this space, in this, in this breath. And then we like to think that we are unique, that we can, like I have enough leadership, I have enough um, intellect, I have enough strength that I will go around that pain. I will be able to leap over that um, diagnosis. I'll be the one who battles through and fights through and uh, gets through this really stressful time. And then when it actually hits us, we're surprised, right? We're like, why is this happening to me? When my dad got diagnosed with cancer, I remember being on the phone with my siblings, um, and I said, our dad doesn't get cancer. This doesn't happen to our dad, which implies this happens to other people's dads, not my dad, right? And it was very caught off guard of, oh, I am just dirt. We're all just dirt. And this dirt is beautiful. This dirt is strong. This dirt is fearfully and wonderfully made. But when you can just realize that we're all connected, it can move you into a different space. And Lent is a time for us to remind ourselves to actually move in that, to be that, to collectively do that. And lucky for us, all throughout the Bible, God is a big fan of reminding us to kill our egos (laughs) a lot of the times, right? And it's Weird stories. So, just to uh, alert you, this is a weird story. It's a beautiful story if we're willing to navigate through it. And it's in Numbers, Numbers uh, 21, verses 4 through 9. And this is where uh, Moses is leading the Israelites um, out of Egypt. They're in the wilderness. um, And they begin to start complaining. They do it, I think, seven or eight times. And they're like, Moses, seriously. Manna, again, like, Okay, remember Remember back when in Egypt we had, like, mayonnaise? Do you remember when we had, like, you know, Fritos? Do you remember, like, all the things no one really likes, but when you don't have them? No one likes mayonnaise, and no one likes Fritos, right? Um, oh, what's the other, what's the stinky um, peanuts? The, um, uh, the, Yeah, oh, come on. Watermelon gum. No one likes watermelon gum. Uh, corn nuts, Ugh, right? Th- th- you could, I was a uh, youth pastor, and so I had to drive bus a lot. And there's two things that wouldn't land on the bus, corn nuts and watermelon gum, because it's not one person eating them. We are all experiencing them. So um, if that, that wasn't in my notes, just so you guys know. I, I, that was like, that's what I come up with. That's a content I come up with all by myself. Um, they're complaining about food, right? And because what happens, what they get is this thing called manna, and little Bible nerd thing. Um, manna would come from heaven, and there was rules of that you couldn't hoard it. It actually go bad the next day, and why? Because people would see it and say, "Oh, I need more. I need to hoard. I need to collect. I will not survive. I am not okay." And what God is saying, "Can you trust in this meal in this day that this is enough?" Your temptation is, "I have to be more. I have to eat more. I have to collect more," and it intentionally, like, goes away. And people actually, well, we're not going to get into that, right? Um, and Jesus says the same thing: uh, "Give us this day our daily bread. Can this be enough?" And clearly for these people, it's not. And finally, they complain. They, use, they say, oh, man, do you remember when we had the really good stuff, watermelon gum, uh, to Moses? And then they say, and God. For the first time, they vote God's name and complaining to God. And God, at this time, what any good God would do when God's egos got uh, pushed back on, got exposed, what do gods do in those ancient times? They, they, they didn't send fire. They, this God sent snakes of fire, right? Right? And the, the, the Hebrew word, some people, you're going to like this. Some people believe because it, it says like fire snakes. Some people are like, yeah, that's dragons. God sent dragons, like Lord of the Rings, right? The, the Moses was the father of all dragons, and it's, it's, it's not. But anyways, uh, God sends snakes because people are complaining to God about food. And the snakes show up, and they do what snakes do. They kill people, which this is a very dark picture of God. But if you were telling a story of God and what you knew God's to be, this would be a very normal story of God. And so the people all of a sudden don't like dying from snakes. And so they're like, oh, Moses, my bad. (laughs) Can you you talk to God and maybe stop the snakes? And so God hears Moses and he goes, yeah, okay. Then you're going to take one of those dead snakes, you're going to put it on a a pole or a staff, and you're going to hold it up. And when people see this, they're going to live. And Moses does this And it works. And that's the story, right? It is a weird story. And John, in chapter 3, verses 14 and 15, um, like, calls back to that story. And he says, uh, And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. So why is John, going back to Numbers, telling a story about a God who sends snakes to punish people, and then a God who gives this solution to save people by taking something dead and putting it on a uh, staff. And many people would read this and say, oh, it's a foreshadow to the cross, and the snake was the, the cross, is a way of thinking about it, but they couldn't be even like, further apart because snake's already dead, right? The snake came to kill people, and everything I've read about Jesus is the exact opposite right so what why is john bringing these together here's one way of thinking about it is that it's funny how the things that we are most afraid of how when we get put in a situation that can like um get us to think bigger than ourselves and death has way of doing that um i've i um, gone back to therapy and uh I think that's why I'm really into 90s country again. <laughs> I am, like, all the time 90s country, and there's this song um, called Live Like You're Dying. Actually, pretty much every song is like that in 90s country music. It's all like, oh, I lost my love. Why did I drink too much? Uh, right? Like, that. that's usually how it goes. Um, and they have this, like, bigger life experience that exposes what they really want and who they really are, right? Like, you you can get so fixated, like, on that... Drama at work. You can get so fixated on, well, yeah, us, of like what your kids aren't doing. (laughs) I know we're we're the only parents to ever get frustrated on that, right? You're trying to think of how did my kid break his foot by kicking me when he was 12 years old? You're having those kind of conversations. you You can get stuck in a place, and when all of a sudden something happens, you're like, why did I care about that? Why have I been giving my life to this job to the extent I have? Why have I been investing in this relationship or these friendships when it's not even giving me what I, not even what I want, what I even really need? And here, like, they have an opportunity to see it. And then God says, Moses, put it up uh, on the staff so everyone can see it. In a way, it's a way for us to be able to finally see the thing that we're afraid of. Like, the thing, like, for me in therapy that helps is uh, that Josh helps me be able to unpack, and, and Dr. Heather did the same thing, of being able to really see the thing that is causing me that much anxiety. The things that's giving me pain, I, I like to, like, look at little glimpses of it, or I really like to bury it deep down and pretend like it doesn't exist. That's very healthy. But once you can get it out, it loses the power that you give it, Right. The thing that kept me up at night, the thing uh, of, like, that financial situation, how are we going to, like, Like I've said this before, of, like, I'm always nervous that, like, I'm not going to have enough Social Security. I don't know why. That's part of my anxiety is I get worried about Social Security. It's like, why? I cannot do anything, and I don't want to put more into Social Security. I'm not that concerned, but I have this idea. And once I can see it for what it is and say, oh, that doesn't have to have power over me anymore. So Moses is exposing their fear at the current moment to help them see for what it is. But it goes back to how, are they, how do they get cured? Is it a magic trick? Barbara Brown Taylor, one of my favorite authors, this is how she um, uh, presented it. Is it a magic trick? Like God's like, watch this. You just got to look at the snake, and then you're healed. Like Moses could bring this to like a, a, like a dinner party, and he's like, hey, give me that snake. Right, watch this. Hey, Uncle Carl, come on over here. Snakes! Ah, he's got you, Carl. Don't worry, just look at the cross. You're good, right? Just look at the snake. You're good. No, Carl, stop crying. Look at the cross, right? Like, it's not a party trick. Because is that what the cross is? Is a cross just this, like, magic trick of we just have to look at the cross? We have to just look at Jesus. We just have to, like, think of Jesus or believe in Jesus or just say uh, th- this prayer of Jesus, and then we're healed? That's a way of thinking about it, right? So what, what I, one way of imagining this is that when you can look up and see the thing that is robbing you of life, when you can finally look at the the grief or the loss or the fear or the pain or the prognosis or Social Security, (laughs) right? When you can look at it, you can see behind it that there is more to this life than that, that there's this whole world that is just dirt, and I belong to it. And there is this good and beautiful God in the messiness of a story that a God that sends snakes to kill people, right? (laughs) Like, put that aside. There's this good and beautiful God that wants to remind me that I'm dirt, not as a way of punishment, not as a way of mocking me, but as a way of all these things belong, Chris, including you. You're not outside of this dirt. You're not outside of this earth. And the cross is a reminder of that. Because when I look at the cross... What I think about is that the cross um, was put there by an empire. An empire and those in power like to think that they're not dirt. The empire likes to think, no, no, we own this dirt. The dirt you're walking on, we own. Actually, we own you. And they can enact laws. They can enact um, taxes. They can enact even culture that reminds you of you're less dirt. Well, you're dirt and we're not as much dirt. And Jesus got killed by the empire. Jesus got lynched. Jesus got executed by those in power. And the cross is a reminder, even when the empire tries to flex, it doesn't win. Because what happens is Jesus is is in a garden on the first day in a new week with a new son that says, no matter what you do, You try to pretend that you're something different. You try to pretend that uh, you aren't dirt, but I am dirt also, and this dirt is making all things new. When I see the dirt or I see the cross, I think of um, George Floyd, right, who was executed, who was lynched by the state. I think of trans kids who walk through school um, and who get bullied, right? And they are told, you don't belong. Your dirt's different. Actually, the dirt you think you are is really not. You're lying to yourself. And the laws that are being passed right now of trying to send parents to child um, protective services. And even those kids, trans kids in school, they have to go home, and what do they have to do with their parents? I know a couple of queer students who... Their identity's not even valid in their own home, right? I I think of... um, people who are in horrible, horrible, horrible relationships and feel like that's all they're worth is that violence. Um, That's all they're worth, right? I look at the cross as a reminder. Even in those, the world is, uh, I'm in a a, a place (laughs) that there's some things that have happened recently. I'm like, the world can be a really horrible place. And there's things that happen that in my little white male bubble, all right with my privilege that I don't have to even think about, of what the human condition can actually do to other humans, sometimes robs me of hope. And that's kind of where I'm at, right? But even then, of when other people try using violence or their words or their laws, and they try not even giving access, healthcare access to people, they can do all those things. What the cross still says is that I'm dirt and I am loved and that there is new life. So I'm going to end with two things. I'm going to tell you a story about a carrot, I'm going to read a poem, and then I'm going to pray. I was reading this uh, story, or not a story, um, uh, a book by Kristen Tippett, right, who is wonderful. And in there, she tells a story about this farmer um, who wanted to find out, um, like grow a a better carrot, right? And he had all these um, carrots used for his stock that were organic and came from the local co-op. And so he planted these carrots in his own soil that he cultivated himself, and um, harvested them like in February, right? When the ground is like really, really cold. And what he discovered is in that coldness, in that, like, in that freeze, the, the carrots realize um, that they might die. Right? They're like not a fan of this frost, and so they have to convert this energy. I think it's, forgot to reread it, I think they convert their carbs into sugar, and that's how they're able to survive. While the other carrots, right, they mass produce them and they just do the same thing over and over, over and over, over and over, and they get the same result. And so he wanted to measure it of the sweetness. And these carrots were at zero, whatever things of sugar, and these carrots uh, were 13 milligrams of sugar and were incredibly, incredibly sweet. And the point of that story is that these carrots found a way to use their energy and move it into something life-giving. They saw and recognized that there was death. They saw and recognized the threat Instead of ignoring it, instead of just like, oh, we're just a carrot, this is what we do, right? They found a way to pivot and move their energy into something transformational. And I believe that's what we are to do. Lent is a time to pull out those things of the shadow, pull those things that you just don't like to talk about, talk with your partner, the thing that you just tolerate. Like, throw it out at dinner. Hey, let's talk about this. Don't do that, right? <laughs> like, find a place to expose the things that you're grieving or you're most afraid, and then use that energy to be something beautiful. So, this is a poem that I found right there by Jan Richardson. All those days you felt like dust, like dirt, as if all you had to do was turn your face toward the wind and be scattered to the four corners or swept away by the smallest breath as insubstantial Did you not know what the Holy One can do with dust? This is the day we freely say we are scorched. This is the hour we are marked by what has made it through the burning. This is the moment we ask for the blessing that lives within the ancient ashes that makes its home inside of the soil of the sacred earth. So let us be marked not for sorrow, and let us be marked not for shame. Let us be marked not for false humility or for thinking we are less than we are, but for claiming what God can do within the dust, within the dirt, within the stuff of which the world is made and the stars that blaze in our bones and the galaxies that spiral inside the smudge we bear. Let's pray. So Christ, we love you and we welcome you. And I thank you for um, the message of From dirt we came, to dirt we shall return. And that it's not marked with shame, it's not marked with mocking, it's marked with love. That we belong to this space, we belong in this life, we belong in this body. And even in the midst of the pain, in the midst of grief, in the midst of loss, there is still beauty, there is still purpose, and we say yes to that. And God, I ask that as we begin to um, expose the things that we are ashamed of, as we begin to hold up maybe the things that we just don't like talking about, that in that space there'd be breath, there'd be life, and there'd be freedom. And we don't need to be afraid of what we've buried down because it does not get to define who we are. I pray for my friends who are feeling the pinch, who are feeling the weight of other people telling them that they're not really dirt. I pray for my friends who are feeling uh, pushed to the margins. I pray for my friends who are dealing with literally death. And I pray that you will be with them. I, I, I know that you are with them. Help them awaken that you've been with them the whole time. So use this dirt and use us in your name. Amen. All right. Well, thank you, friends, for coming to the neighborhood. Thank you for those who are watching. And and if you'd like to chat or you'd like some prayer, I'll be up here, and I'd love to do that. Have a good weekend. (laughs)